0: Welcome to the DSpot Podcast. Dr Dana McNeil is a licensed marriage and family therapist who specialises in working with couples using the Gottman method. Her evidence-based practice provides support for the wide range of relationship issues that modern couples face. By using her open, affirming, and outside-of-the-box thinking, Dr. Dana is able to approach her work with couples by bringing both insights and tools that reflect the realities of today's complicated relationships dr dana features guests on her podcast that include a unique array of celebrities ceos influencers and everyday folks who are all working on navigating new conversations about how society views what goes into a successful relationship and now here's your host dr dana mcneil
1: Hello and welcome to the D-Spot podcast. I'm Dr. Dana McNeil and I'm your host for a podcast that is all about relationships and the people in them. Our goal in this show is to change the conversation about going to couples therapy and explore what defines a healthy relationship. So today I am excited to be in conversation with Dr. Josephine McNary and you are a new person in our world. So tell us a little bit about you. Like what do you do? What is your practice focus on? You have a podcast. Tell us all the details. Oh,
2: all of this. Okay. So I'm a general adult psychiatrist and head of a group practice called Cal Psychiatry. Um, I've been in practice for about 15 years myself um, and our practice at this point has 16 doctors to 16 psychiatrists amongst multiple locations throughout California, including the San Diego area. And so we have two doctors in the San Diego office at this point, and we're working on growing out that practice. Um, Our group is known as being very collaborative, wanting to be in frequent communication with the treatment team, um, collaborating care, making sure that just everyone is on the same page and um, just working together for best outcomes for for our patients.
1: So talk a little bit about that, because I think people who are listening, number one, may not know the difference between a psychiatrist and a oh. psychologist. And what do you mean when you say you work collaboratively? Are therapists not already doing that? So talk a little bit about yes. that.
2: So I'll, so really good questions. And so um, psychiatrists have um, medical degrees. And so what that means is that they have the ability to prescribe medication. Um, and so a lot of times what happens is that most of our patients are already seeing a therapist or a psychologist. And the psychologist feels as if maybe their depression or anxiety symptoms or maybe ADHD symptoms are keeping them from really moving forward in life. They feel like maybe they're hitting this roadblock. And at that point, they suggest often a consultation with a psychiatrist to talk about the possibility of medications. And just because someone goes to a psychiatrist doesn't mean they're absolutely going to get medication. We think of it as more of an educational you know, meeting where we can talk to them about what some options might be, what expected outcomes could be, what the negatives would be of medication. And we just treated it as kind of educating people about some different tools that they might have in their tool bag to help them feel better and move forward in life.
1: Which as someone that works with clients myself, I'm thrilled to hear that your group wants to be collaborative because that is not always what we find with our partners. So that's meaningful to me as someone that sees clients on the front line every day, that Mm -hmm. that's, thank you for, for being available for the therapist to be
2: able to collaborate. So, so also let me talk. So what collaboration is just to kind of answer all your questions. Um, collaboration basically means working together, all of the members of someone's mental health treatment team or, or family. So it could be their therapist their psychologist, their nutritionist, their primary care doctor, their OB guide, their psychiatrist, kind of, we want to make sure that we are aware of what's going on in these different aspects of their mental and, and just general medical care in order for us to understand the big picture. And yes, I mean, that, that should be what happens in mental health treatment, but sometimes it doesn't always happen due to so many different factors. Um, and so we are just known in the community amongst therapists and psychologists that we work with as approachable. We want to hear from you. We want to discuss cases, um, because patients really feel better cared for if they know that everyone's in communication.
1: Yeah, this is a big deal. This is our life, right? And so knowing that all of the providers that you have in your life are chatting with each other is meaningful. It is. So, me. oh, yeah. Thank you for what you do. So I know that your practice has a specialization in women's productive health. Tell me what that means so that if I'm listening and I'm like, I'm a woman, what's my productive health? How will you help me, Dr. Josephine? Yeah. What would you be doing?
2: Well, so all of the doctors on our team have this as a specialty. It's something that we're all very passionate about. And so what women's reproductive mental health is um, actually I have a podcast. I just did a hundredth episode on Ah. women's women's maternal mental health, but, um, and I can talk about that later, but it's really is anything related to the reproductive lifespan of a woman. And so it could be issues related to mood shifts around your period. Mm -hmm. It could be related to questions about wanting to conceive, but not sure because you are relying on certain medications to help maintain your mood or anxiety. It could be related to um, feeling depressed or anxious because of infertility. And then we move on to talking about you know, managing um, women who are on medication during pregnancy in a safe way. And then kind of moving then into the postpartum period um, in terms of decreasing the risk for developing postpartum depression by being very aggressive in treating mental health issues that arise during pregnancy or in the postpartum period. And it can also even extend to say perimenopause or menopause. Um, And so it's a pretty wide range. Um, It's most of a woman's lifespan, but it's just kind of thinking about those specific times and how um, mental health treatment might be kind of more specialized based on those specific life situations and, and periods.
1: And so because I see lots of couples and the focus of the podcast is couples, I really was excited to have you here to talk about how do we as a couple work together when one or both partners has an identified mental health issue, right? Because for those of my clients where one partner has no idea what it's like to have anxiety or depression, how does the partner who has the anxiety or depression, how do they let that person know what that experience looks like and how they can help them?
2: I think it depends on the couple dynamic, right. And what works best for them in terms of communication, but yeah, I mean, you bring up a really good point with mental illness, anxiety, depression is often invisible in some ways, because a lot of people don't really understand it. Right. So if you broke your arm, it's very obvious. It's like people know what that is. Maybe they've had that issue themselves. But with mental illness, the suffering is often quite silent and mysterious to other people. They just don't understand the suffering. But most, a lot of people do. I mean, a lot of people deal with anxiety or depression. But in a couple, let's say if one member of the couple has never really had to deal with those struggles, it is a challenge. And so I think just making sure there's the couple find strategies to be able to effectively just kind of report levels of distress. Right, in a way that the other partner can really internalize and understand. They may not fully understand everything, but they may understand that their partner needs help and how they might be able to think about kind of providing that support for them.
1: So, if let's say we have a couple that has recently had a baby and the female is reporting dealing with postpartum depression and her partner is not understanding what that is or what are the symptoms or how it impacts her, what would you? want them to know about the impact of, of that on not only the person that is experiencing it, but maybe how it's going to roll over into the relationship.
2: Well, I have the luxury of seeing women through pregnancy into the postpartum period. Not always some women come to us, you know, right in the postpartum period, but those are conversations we actually have to prepare the couple um, because it is, we're really talking about major life transitions, right? In terms of, okay, how, Let's anticipate what these transitions might be. We can't anticipate everything, but how are we going to try to get support? How are we going to try to be flexible with changes in the relationship? Um, And how are we going to find ways to really have a forum for us as a couple to discuss, you know, our frustrations, dissatisfactions, desires? I think it's all about kind of understanding and, and learning how to communicate in an effective way
1: what would be some of the symptoms that I would expect to hear that a client was having if they were finding themselves in the midst of postpartum?
2: So, you know, there's something called postpartum blues. It's, you know, right after delivery where up until, you know, a bit of time in the postpartum period where someone's just kind of feeling down, blue, tearful. I mean, there's a lot of hormonal shifts that are happening. That's kind of an, you know, appropriate, expected response for new moms. It's when it becomes more significant and um, severe, that's when we start worrying about postpartum depression. When the mom's feeling so overwhelmed, it's hard for her to take care of the baby. The mom is feeling so anxious, even if the baby's sleeping, she can't sleep. Those are kind of big ones. The mom, I mean, I think, There's this expectation that, you know, when you're a mom, you see your baby and if you're filled with pure joy and and love, and that does take some time for some women, a lot of women. But I think if a mom feels that it's just absolutely impossible to be able to feel any joy from the baby. I'm sure that doesn't happen all the time, but there are glimpses of it, even in the midst of sleep deprivation and stress. And so those are kind of the signs I would say where it just feels like the mom just isn't functioning, you know, to her full ability, though, understanding that this is a huge transition and yeah. it's hard to know what her full ability is because she's never gone. Well, in some cases, she has never gone through this before. You might also compare it to previous postpartum periods. Is this different? Does this feel different? Does this distress feel more significant?
1: Is there something that a partner would want to look for as a sign that maybe they should help their partner get some additional support or come see someone like yourself if they were noticing some signs or symptoms from a partner? Well,
2: of course, if the mom is ta- if on the most severe side talking about suicide, right, that is obviously, or talking about harming the baby, of course, kind of moving more in from that, though, mom is not taking care of herself. Um, mom feels so anxious. Like I said, she can't, is having a hard time sleeping when the baby's sleeping. Mom is overcome by worry or overwhelm. Um, I think as a partner, you got to start brainstorming, like, how do we help provide more support, but also how do we give her some mental health support as well?
1: So shifting from that a little bit, let's just say that I have depression and I've been treating with medication and I decide to get pregnant. What does a new mom need to be thinking about as, because I have clients that come in and they're like. I'm hesitant. I don't know what to do about my medication. Is it safe? And I'm like, you need to go talk to somebody like Dr. Josephine. Yeah, what, yeah. what would they be considering or what would you be counseling them?
2: So, I mean, I don't want to go into the specifics. It's a very sure. long conversation, sure. but I'm going to go over the, the overall general ideas. In general, thinking about treatment of um, with medication for anxiety and depression during pregnancy, usually the goal, I mean, it is the goal to keep the mom mentally well during the through, and throughout the pregnancy. That is the bottom line. That's the most important goal. If we take away a medication and a mom has reemergence of depression or anxiety symptoms, that in itself is a negative exposure for the baby that could lead to poor birth outcomes. So we have to think about that. We have to think about how important is this medication to this mom? And that's different in every single case. There are some moms that, you know, I see some moms who are, soon to be moms who actually maybe even haven't conceived yet. And we're thinking, okay, how important is this medication? Let's try to get off of it and see if it seems like they're doing really well, then maybe it's might be okay to stay off during pregnancy, but just keep a very close eye on it. If they go off and it's clear that their symptoms come back, then we said, okay, we did that experiment. And I think it maybe does make sense that you should remain on these medications during pregnancy. So I think it really is important to talk to a specialist in women's reproductive mental health to kind of tease that out and determine, okay, before pregnancy, should we have a trial off? Should we not? Does that not make any sense? And then, in general, if it, if we've kind of determined that it is important to stay on meds during pregnancy, in general, women can use these medications safely. There are some um, risks of some exposures that we go over, but in general, they are widely used um, and outcomes are quite good. Um, I will say most OB have no problem with women being on um, the vast majority of medications for anxiety and depression, but there are specific ones that require longer conversations. And so that's why it's so important to have a conversation with your doctor about it.
1: I think that's really helpful. Thank you for addressing that because that is a big concern when someone's going to get pregnant. How does that impact it? Another big concern that happens for couples is I don't want to go on a medication because my partner will think I'm weak or they'll think I'm a failure or I should be able to, you know, get through this. What, what, how do we address that kind of thinking? How do you relieve them or give them some talking points?
2: Well, so if that comes up, usually I invite the partner in. And we have, okay. a, conversation. Um, and we have a conversation about why the, their partner is on these medications, why we think they're helpful, um, why we think it would be important to continue throughout pregnancy what the risks are of not continuing and not maintaining mental well-being during pregnancy as well as in the postpartum period actually huge risk factor for postpartum depression is untreated mental health issues during pregnancy and so you know oftentimes it's really more just about education and it's a conversation and i think once those conversations happen everyone understands why someone is might decide to be maintained on certain medications during pregnancy, you know, it's usually people are on the same page, um, but I think it's just about education and discussing.
1: Agreed, agreed. So you have a podcast. Tell yeah. us about your podcast. What's it called?
2: It's called Mind Stories. And it's um, actually, I just have my 100th episode. Congratulations. Um, on June 8th. And what I do is I interview mental health specialists about their treatment specialties. And so I have kind of, basic ones like um, dialectical behavioral therapy. I interview a DBT therapist about their process and what that might look like. I have a CBT therapist. Um, I have so many different, different people that I've talked to so far. And what I do is I actually use it as a resource for my patients. Let's say they come to me without a therapist and I think about who might be a really good fit for them. And I might say like, oh, you know, I have this podcast episode on, I'll try to give an example. I recently did one that will come out on um, therapist who works with parents on parent coaching. For children. And so I might say, you know, listen to this podcast about how she approaches care, how she thinks about it. And that might be really helpful to you. So I use it as a resource to my patients. And I hope it's a resource to other people. It's not like they absolutely have to go with that clinician, but at least they get an idea of the type of therapy that they might be thinking about for themselves.
1: So what's your favorite episodes that you've done so far? Tell tell us about the the highlights. If we want to tune in and roll through the top hundred, what, when should we stop at?
2: you know, no one has asked me that. I just, I kind of love them all. Um,
1: <laughs> it's like choosing I, a favorite child. I get I know. it.
2: know. I mean, I will say, I mean, my, I had a 50th episode and then a hundredth episode were two of my mentors that I had on. And so the hundredth episode was um, Dr. Vivian Burt, who's the head of the women's life clinic at UCLA. And they, she's, founded a a clinic based on women's reproductive mental health. And um, we just went over the importance of kind of maximizing women's mental health, how important it is. And that was just a meaningful episode to me because she was such an important force in my kind of professional development and interest in this field. Recently, I did one on matrescence with Dr. Misty Richards. And we talked about, it, it was actually not a typical episode. It was just a topic I was really interested in. Um, and it's this idea of the transition of motherhood, of becoming a mother. And what's that, the balance of then kind of thinking about, um, you know, needing to care for something, but also trying to maintain your identity. And so I thought that was a really interesting episode, but that was not on a specific. Um,
1: I'm like, I don't even know what that word was. So thank you for that. Yeah,
2: yeah I did one. I did a really interesting one um, on election anxiety. And climate anxiety um definitely a
1: thing yes clinicians
2: that focus on that I thought that was fascinating I interviewed death doula who works with kind of and help people through the process of dying um so a lot of interesting ones and a lot of ones that I think they're all interesting that I think are really helpful
1: One of the things that I want to check in with you about since you're an expert on mental health is how can couples have a collective sense of mental health together that we're very good at focusing on the me and mental health right now and I'm trying to mix up the conversation and there's the me stuff and then there's the we stuff.
2: Right, therapy comes in.
1: <laughs> so as somebody that specializes in mental health, how can we take some of these ideas of the me stuff and transition to the we stuff?
2: Well, I think it takes a um, desire to strengthen a relationship. And I think it's an important topic as we're talking about families or pregnancy, postpartum, that it is such a group effort right and it's not just like the woman becoming pregnant and having the baby it, it there are it's a whole system in place and how important it is to maintain the mental well-being of the entire system and it takes care and it takes effort
1: so this may be out of your scope but along this lines of like bringing a new member of the family home one mm-hmm. of the things that i hear my clients kind of Get confused about is when do we introduce other people into that relationship? Do we have to bring parents in? Can it is it okay that we just have some time of be- ourselves before we introduce other family members? And how do I hold a healthy boundary around that? What did, do you have advice for those couples?
2: I think it just depends on the dynamic and the makeup, but I think understanding each person's desire and coming up with a plan of what, how you want to approach family. Right. And I think that starts with the couple in terms of thinking about, okay, what are our priorities? What do I want? What do you want? How can we compromise on like being a united front and saying like, this is what's important to us as a couple. Um, Cause it gets really messy and confusing when, you know, with extended family coming in different ideas of like, well, this person said this and this person said that maybe this idea of just you know being on the same page before expressing what you need to those like the extended family
1: and giving permission to bring in support if you want it right I think so many new parents are like I'm supposed to be able to do this all myself and I'm supposed to be okay with sleep deprivation and I don't need anybody to let me go take a shower I don't need to hire anyone to do that so I guess normalizing also that it's the reverse is also true that you can have somebody come there the same day if you want because it's what makes sense to you as a couple right yeah great great So any last tips for couples surviving mental health issues together? It's a, you know, we're just coming out of a pandemic. There's lots of mental health. There's lots of stressors. How can couples best support each other through their mental health?
2: Just try to be there as much as you can for each other and know that you're most likely the most important source of support for one another. And it takes patience and it takes time, but having a strong basis for communication Um, really goes a long way. And being able to understand your partner is fulfilling.
1: If I need to have a conversation with my partner that I suspect that maybe they should go see a psychiatrist, that maybe there's something more severe than you are getting a little burned out, and we need to take a vacation or you need to chat with a therapist. How do they approach that conversation with kindness and tenderness from your perspective?
2: It depends on how they approach with kindness and tenderness So, what their style is, is probably what's going to be the best. So whatever works in terms of, um, kind of their usual style. Um, so I, I think it's kind of hard to answer because I depends, right. And it depends what the partner typically responds to, but I mean, introducing it slowly, non-judgmentally, this desire to say, you know, I just want you to feel better. I want you to, I want you to be able to get the help you need so you can live a better life. I see your suffering.
1: I really appreciate how you've been able to kind of normalize this need to have these conversations and that we are supposed to have mental health issues. We are supposed to need support. We aren't supposed to have to do this on our own and that there's compassionate care like yourself, that even though if it's been scary or hard to come forward, that you're going to be met with love and care and kindness. So I I really appreciate that you exist in the world oh. and i've I've loved having you as a guest to kind of give us some more information about who you are and your practice. So if anybody listening wants to find you, how do they do that?
2: Well, they go to um, www.calpsychiatry.com. And on that um, you can see all the clinicians. Um, There's a lot of important information on there, just kind of interesting information. We have two psychiatrists, Dr. Federoff and Shaw in the San Diego area. And yeah, we just, that's probably the best place to find us.
1: Fantastic. And that would be for anybody that's in California. Do you have Mm -hmm. telehealth available for them as well? Fantastic. The world has gone to telehealth. So I'm glad that you have those available for them. Thank you so very much. I really appreciated having this chance to chat with you and to get to know you a little bit more. And you were Mm -hmm. as delightful as my Sarah said you would be. So thank you so
2: much. I appreciate being on. Thanks for your time.
0: This has been the D-Spot Podcast with Dr. Dana McNeil. To learn more about Dr. Dana's practice, simply visit us at www.danamcneil.com.